I recently introduced a new service where you can do mock interviews, record them, and practice, and then have me review your answers. It's a service where questions are going to get thrown at you along different topics. You'll record your answers, and I'm going to give you advice about how you could do it better, or give you an girl or an boy afterwards. So if you go to TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash mock, that's going to take you to the site, and I do hope you find it helpful. It has helped a bunch of people. Now, let's get going. Episode 2,961 of the number one podcast and Apple podcast, The Job Search. You're listening to No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Alton, The Big Game Hunter, and welcome. A couple of weeks ago, I had on a guest talking about stories. I have another one on today, Korean Therakin, who does a great job talking about the value of stories in your interviewing. I have to also say it's the value of stories in communicating in general. So I'm doing this in two parts. Part one is today. Hope you find it helpful. Hope you give the show in general an excellent review if you believe that. If it's a bad review, do that too. But I don't think I'll give No BS Job Search Advice Radio a bad review. It's just too much good stuff that I share. And now we'll be back in just one moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So my guest today is Kurian Therakin. He's the founder of the sales and marketing strategy firm, Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors, a 27-year veteran of the industry where he's consulted the companies in many sectors. He's also the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tells, which details how anyone can move people in mountains with the power of story. Sir, how are you? Welcome. Thanks thanks for having me on, Jeff. This is going to be a treat. I hope it's going to be a treat. After all, it may not be Halloween, but we don't want to do trick tricks yet, do we? No tricks yet. Only treats. I feel much better now. So with that being the case, and we're talking about story and bringing this into the job search experience. And I know you got seven stories in the book. Tell me, why are stories so important? Stories are the way we humans relate to our world. And in fact, the only way you can convey meaning and understanding to anything, uh, let alone convey that to uh, convey that to people, convey that to yourself, is through the stories we tell. So a bland set of facts are just facts, but the meaning is imparted by the story we tell ourselves and other people. That's why it's so important to be to be good at storytelling. And for job hunters, obviously there are places in the interview where they can tell stories. Is there a, a typical construct to a story, a, formu- you know, a formula to, to storytelling? And uh, there are several formulas to uh, storytelling. And if you put a uh, storytelling formula into Google, you're gonna come up with a bunch of them. 
That's probably the not the most important part though, because you know the the most simple thing is a beginning, middle, and end. Well, that doesn't really help you that much. Then you go to a Pixar formula, and it would be something as simple as everything was fine. Then something happened. Then I was sent on a journey. A whole bunch of muddles happened, and then I found Nemo, and we all lived happily ever Thank after. Thank goodness, we don't want anything happening to Nemo. Don't let anything happen to Nemo. And then, of course, you can go into the big, you know, myths out of you know, Greece and Rome and Asia, and they would all follow uh, the uh, storytelling uh, process. It's called the hero's journey. And you'll see that in uh, things like Star Wars. You know, uh, George Lucas consulted uh, with Joseph Campbell heavily on the construction of myth before he started writing uh, Star Wars. And so you're going to see that deeply embedded, that whole monomyth hero's journey format in there. And it's very complex, but we don't need, need to get that complex. You just need to tell. Uh, it's more important to understand the stories to tell, especially stories that won't bore people, but that'll keep their attention, increase their intrigue, provoke their curiosity. For example, how's this one? Was that a nice setup for you? For Great. example. For example, okay, well, let's relate it back. Let's relate it back to a job searcher's uh, process. So you are in the way of, let's say you're right up at the interview, uh, interview one. And right at that point in time, good for you. You've gotten past the initial gate. You're in front of perhaps one of the decision makers. If it's only the HR team, maybe it's not the eventual boss. But you need to have something that stands out beyond your resume. Now, the resume got you in the door, but it will not keep you in the process. Because one of the things they're testing for at that point is whether the resume matches up with the expectations in the mind to what you are presenting. Now, you can just do that. And by itself, you can just do that. And you have fulfilled the expectations of you are the same person that the resume says you are. Or you can make it come alive. Now, what do we say? How do we make things come alive? Facts are what are on, are on a resume. Meaning is delivered by the story. In the book, we have a, the book's a leadership book. And in fact, you know, all employees, if you're ever going to rise in the company, you should have some aspect of leadership skills. If only to lead yourself into getting, getting the projects done, you're dependable, that you have insight to the project, those kinds of things, right? So the book is about a leadership book. Uh, the same principles apply to any kind of situation where leadership skills are a requirement. So you can use one of the clearest stories that I ask people to use is story number five. And story five is all about the mighty winds. Now, what is a mighty wind? All businesses, I say, are like sailboats. They're sailboats, sail ships. And sailing has been around for millennia. And in fact, almost every culture in the world has contributed to the advance of sailing technology because it's such a vital means of transportation. It was for, for millennia. And so sailboats, though, require one critical thing, wind. Now, the problem is this. Most companies get started without any real assertion as to uh, ascertainment as to what's the direction of the wind, the power of the wind, you know, the availability of the wind. And the, the ship is built and, and, and it's trying to find the wind. Well, why don't you find the wind first and then build a sailboat to take advantage of direction, power, availability? That's the way to really do it. Now, here's how you do you apply that in a, uh, in a uh, job searching standpoint, in, in that kind of viewpoint. 
These wins, as I, I talk about it, they're all about macro trends in the marketplace. And the trends, the big ones, the, the wins that power the sailboat's sails are things like societal wins, technological wins, economic, environmental, political, and legislative. Six big macro wins. And those wins can either power forth the ship, not powered at all, refuse to billow those sails, or capsize the boat. So it creates tsunamis of opportunities and tidal waves of destruction in its, in its wake. And there's a variety of different uh, stories you can tell. For example, uh, did you know that there were almost, there's almost 4,000 car manufacturers that have existed in the United States uh, since uh, the 1880s, 1890s? 4,000 manufacturers of cars, which has all come together now in about four companies. You know, you have Ford, you have General Motors, you have Chrysler, right? You have oh, some of these big guys from, from uh, overseas and things like that, Daimler-Benz. But all of these companies, 4,000 companies, whittled down to now these, uh, these big, big players. Now, what's happened in the meantime, though? That process of building cars in, in the U.S. and then making the cars affordable, which allowed things like urbanization to take place, which allowed things like home ownership and middle classes to arise, you know, and, uh, and make the uh, home affordable. The whole fast food craze was started as a result of the availability of the car. No one, you know, came up to the A&W or the McDonald's, you know, in the horse-drawn carriage. You know, you needed a car to do that. So what's going on is you take a look at this entire tidal wave of, um, of opportunities that have come, come about. And in fact, with that tidal wave of opportunity was also tsunamis of destruction. Uh, the major means of transport prior to the 1890s, 1910s was the horse, was the horse, right? Eh? And with that, you have to go through all these kinds of things and take a look at what industries are being destroyed. The horse industry is not as prolific as it used to be. And the car industry is way up and all the sub-industries around that. If you, as a job search applicant, have those deep insights as to the macro trends that are powering your industries, your markets, the competition, you completely stand out in, front, in my mind as somebody being different than any other just simple job search applicant. So in, when I coach people, I'm aware that there's a limited attention span that listeners have. And unless you grip them early and demonstrate to the audience, because I do think of it as like theater. And I talk about the theater of interviewing as part of the way I coach. So if someone is answering a question, I try to get them down to about a minute 15 where they have to hit certain points and then ask for permission to go deeper uh, with the answer. Because I'm always concerned that the audience starts tuning people out. So in a typical story, like Amazon uses a star framework. That's what they want to hear. Other people, normally at a manager level and above, I'll suggest SOAR, which is situation, objective, action, result, with a metric being the result. And then for a C-suite, it becomes PAR, problem, action, result. Now, I'll start off with people trying to hit the markers. And like the classic example of the story is I took over a project and uh, it was uh, at the time I took over, my predecessor left on short notice. Uh, 
when I took it over, we were three weeks behind. It had to be done within the next 10, and uh, it had to be done in the hell or high water. So that becomes a situation they step into. And what the objective is, is it has to be done by hell or, hell or high water. So what I did was, and now they're riding in on the horse. Now I'm doing cowboy movies here. I'm riding in on the horse to save the day. Uh, You've even got the bounce going. That's good. I like that. Uh, absolutely. You have to be, this is theater, right? You have, to, you have to entertain. So, so what I did was such and such. Uh, and I met with the users, met with this person, that person, uh, understood from my team that I was taking over what the issues were, the problem to go to uh, get late, uh, got their buy-in and their commitment that we were going to deliver this from hell or hot. Now, and, and then from there, uh, and we did. We completed three days early. And as happens in most stories, we lived happily ever after. Nemo, and, finding Nemo. You found Nemo. Right. Now, from there, I'll say, and if you like, I can go into more detail about how some of how we did some of these things, which sounds like a perfect segue into some of the texture that you're talking about. Right. Because uh, the texture is really important. And I also know some people don't want to hear it. They just want facts. <laughs> And, and you want me to comment on the fact, fact, fact part? I find oh, yeah. those are very commoditized interviews, oh, yeah. right? Because at that point in time, you're just trying to qualify the uh, pro the uh, candidate in or out. Uh, but if you really want to work for somebody and they really want to work for you, you have to get to know their worldview. You know, you got to get to know their yeah. lens of how they see things. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is through the, through the stories you tell each other. And thus you tap the heart. And heartfelt stories. <laughs> you tap the heart, tap your soul, you know, tap your vision uh, when it comes to you, uh, the way you see the world uh, from, a, from a viewpoint, uh, brain-wise, right? There's a lot of things. So in using the example of big wind, <laughs> uh, that kind of a story. Uh, so as we're now adding on to the first piece, now, the one that basically says, okay, you want to hear the facts? Let me tell you the facts. Right. So I did this, I did that. This is where I was when we started, blah, 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 blah. And we all lived happily ever after. The client was happy. You know, they wrote letters of recommendation, got a spot bonus for it. It's wonderful. And we deliver three days early, help the client make X number of dollars, save Y number of dollars, whatever it is, or a certain percentage improvement. And I can go into more detail about how we did that. Sure, okay. And now we construct the follow-up story, which has more texture. And if you could offer an example of one, I know you know how to make up stuff on the spot. You're a sales and marketing guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. So, you know, so here's an example. Uh, so let, let's see if we can do this. I, I was actually in a recent situation. So I'm gonna be pretending that I'm gonna interview for a, uh, for a job as a uh, senior manager someplace. And I'm gonna diffuse the, uh, I'm gonna tell you a story about how I diffuse the conflict between two of my employees. Okay, how does that sound, right? Okay, what I realized, what I realized, Jeff, you know, when I went into that particular situation and uh, although conflicts didn't happen much on my team, I think it's an inevitability that teams do have conflicts from time to time. And uh, so I sat down both my, both my guys. So I had Don on one side and Tom on the other. And, you know, the, I asked them to tell me what was going on. But then I did something a little different. I asked Don 
to tell me what Tom's viewpoint was. And then I asked Tom whether he agreed with Don's assessment, you know, whether he got that accurate. Then I reversed it. Tom, you tell me what Don is talking about. And they went back and forth like that. And when they were actually enunciating each other's viewpoints, they actually saw each other's viewpoints. And although it wasn't a perfect resolution at the end of it, what both of them realized is that the situation was based on facts, but was ultimately rooted in feelings. And those feelings you know, are, are something that you have to bring out. So before conflict can be resolved, it can't just be about facts. You have to get to the underlying context of the emotions that are driving the conflict. And that was one of the ways that I did it. So I, that's a great little example of using this. Tell me what the other person's viewpoint is all about. And folks, what you'll notice that he did was, you know, number one, he was concise. So his description was not this 10-minute monologue that's going to put people to sleep, but it was textured so you can understand what the situation was and how he approached it. Now, I want to distinguish between this, the story that I told, which was, tell me about a time where you had to accomplish something in particular, versus this is a different type of behavioral interview question, which in, in the case that you gave was, how do you deal with a with problem between two, two co-workers? How do you resolve that? And I tend to view that the more uh, emotion-connecting stories with this kind of behavioral interview question, uh, because everyone's been there. Everyone's Everybody. Had, everyone's had to deal with conflict between subordinates. Everyone's had to deal with the problem customer. You know, I think one of the first sales training stories was uh, about the rookie salesperson who's being sent across the street to the meanest, you know, customer. No one's ever sold this guy. And actually they're sending him to the easy one to have him do a win. And, you know, he's all pumped. He's got his training techniques and he's learned his thing. And he comes back with the order and the sales manager looks at him and goes, that is the mean guy. <laughs> How did you do it? Because no one's been able to do it because they're all psyched out by the guy. And you get the point. It, there's, there's levels to behavioral interview stories in terms of where you can go with this stuff and where you can create that kind of connection. Now, I, I did the abridged version of that because... Uh, you know, again, this is a, a three-minute story. Yeah, uh, get, be concise, but get the point across, right? But with enough intrigue to it that you keep people's attention. And one of the things I noticed is when you told the story, you had animation in your face. And I did the same thing on my side. So there's an energy that you communicate when you tell the stories that demonstrates pride in what you did. Absolutely. Well, people often ask me, you know, why did I choose the uh, word charisma, charismatic in my title? So the seven essential stories, charismatic people uh, tell, charismatic leaders tell. And one of the reasons why is one of the old, uh, one of the uh, first definitions of charisma that I read, and it's not the complete definition, but I thought it was pretty concise. And it was, it is all about making other people come alive. And as a charisma is about not you, but making other people come alive, recognizing their own possibilities. They shine in your presence, you know? And so that's a big part of this. So when you are communicating, whether it be in a job interview, whether it be in front of, you know, 10,000 people, you are, 
in the energy transfer business. You are in the enthusiasm, passion transfer business. And when you do that, you make people come alive. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few things I can do to help you with your job search beyond simply being your coach. First of all, I've got a new book out called The Right Answers to Tough Interview Questions. It is like a cookbook with answers to tons of interview questions that you're going to be asked on interviews. And if you pair it up with my other new book, The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, they are a a terrific pair of books to help you with interviewing. In addition, a new service where you can practice mock interviews. If you go to thebiggamehunter.us forward slash mock, I've got a service there, very inexpensive, like $99, where we have mock interviews set up. I'm going to be adding more to it very soon, but you can record your answers to them and then I can critique them and help you perform better on them. You probably have noticed my show notes are pretty thorough with products and services that can help you with your search and connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. Lastly, my website has a ton of great information. That's thebiggamehunter.us. Now, if you're not ready to go there and go through the blog, put the address in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Altman. So this way, when you're ready to go, you have a way of getting back to my website. Hope you have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great. Be great.